You're listening to Objection to the Rule live on Radio Free Brooklyn. Spicy is out. The press secretary, Sean Spicer, is no longer after a shakeup in the White House. He has resigned. We'll talk about that. Plus, we will talk about the health care bill that looks like it might finally be dead. Maybe. We'll talk about that as well. Coming up on Objection to the Rule, it's all live right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hello, everyone. You're listening to another edition of Objection to the Rule live on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's 1 p.m. and we are live in our Bushwick studio. Hi, Violet. How are you? Hey, good. Welcome back. You have had a interesting week in the news this far. Um, A lot of things happening. As we just said earlier, our big story is that the former communications director, press secretary, Sean Spicer, resigned. um, And... It's kind of like the big writing. Like It's like the big writing on the wall. Like yeah. this was something that we knew was happening probably for a few months. But right. it, after a addition of a new person to the White House communications team, Anthony Scaramucci, mm-hmm. um, Spicer resigned. So we're going to dig into that a little bit later. Uh, but let's get to our news topics. And there's a couple things that happened um, on the protest side. There's actually an interesting protest that happened in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Um, There was a restaurant there that decided to take an interesting marketing strategy. They posted an Instagram photo that's gotten them in a little bit of trouble. And the photo is causing a lot of controversy because it features what were purported to be bullet holes. They weren't really bullet holes. And it was a way to kind of, you know, capitalize off of the like dangerous right. you know former exotic yeah, yeah exactly it's that you know it's that kind of like danger tourism thing that right. has become so popular and the community rallied and protested in front of this bar restaurant to you know stand up kind of for the image of their community what are your thoughts about that idea that people find it cool to kind of be in that dangerous place you know it seems weird to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of gross, right? Because like, oh, like 10 years ago, you wouldn't come to Brooklyn. You know, Manhattan is the cool place to be. I I still hear that. Like Manhattan is the place mm-hmm. to be. But now people are deigning to come to Brooklyn, yeah. you know, uh, with an outside perspective, with uh, the idea that cool things are here. Uh, you know, as a tourist of all things, New mm-hmm. York, you've got to come to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And what better to do in Brooklyn than to see the dangerous neighborhoods? Yeah. You know? Well, and it's like it has become, especially, you know, for European tourists that kind of get that perspective or, or you know, international tourists that want to see, you know, some of the things that they've seen in TV and get that rough right. New York. But it's not just them. It is this this idea um, of people, you know, coming to these rest or these areas uh, with this perception 
Um, and sure, there's violence all over the city. You know, we're not trying to gloss over that. Um, but I know I've lived in Crown Heights and, and the neighborhood is has grown and developed and changed so much than, you know, 15, 20 years ago right. when it, it was a dangerous place. And a lot of people don't want to be reminded of that. People lost right. people. People lost family members. Like that's it's not something that should be glorified. Um, I want to read, you know, it's always and when these happen, it's always this, you know, people are just like, well, I didn't know. Um, the owner of the sandwich shop is called Summer Hills in Crown Heights. And the owner, Becca Brennan, said in a Daily News article, I deeply apologize for any offense that my recent comments might have caused. Um, this is in a statement. And I did not intend to be insensitive to anyone in the neighborhood. I, you know, it's like always it's what happens when somebody gets caught doing something right. racist or inappropriate. You know, it's just like, well, I didn't know. It's what your PR consultant tells you to do. I mean, yeah. uh, hello. And and so, you know, I think about all the time, the fact that, we you know, when you're in marketing and communications, usually you will do a lot of research. Right. You know, you will look into your messaging. You will look into your, your campaign planning and you'll look at how the audience is going to respond. So either they didn't consult anybody right. from this demographic or they just didn't care, right? you know, because it doesn't make any sense if you, you know, if you were being thoughtful about your messaging in this neighborhood. Right. And also, like, who's their target demographic? Like, they're making it so obvious that they're not trying to uh, be a part of the neighborhood. They're trying to create a new neighborhood around themselves, mm -hmm. you know, in their mm -hmm. ideal image. Well, and you always, you know, we walk around the places in Crown Heights, you see a lot of restaurants and bars that definitely look like they're catering to the new crown heights right. and they you know as much as inclusive as they can be um you know sometimes you do i've walked into places and i feel like wow like there's nobody in here that looks like me yet we're like in the middle of brooklyn right um you know and then there are some places that i love that i feel like have really meshed the new and old and really represent the community um you know do you think as is you're a native New Yorker, what do you think about just this people coming in and, you know, it's kind of the crux of gentrification, like coming in and trying to make it their own. How do you make it your own, but also respect what it's there? Right. Well, first of all, you, you don't sort of create an us versus them perspective. Mm. I think that's the first yeah. thing, you know, you, you, you think if you, bring a new thing into the neighborhood, you're addressing a need or trying to create a need, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you have to think about what's there. You have to think about what's already there addressing those needs. What are you creating competition for? You know, like, okay, so like the nice, the fancy grocery stores are going to create a price point that's going to drive out some of the other, uh, the local grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants that. Yeah. At least no one in the old neighborhood wants that. It's going to happen. But there, you can do that without being uh, like outwardly offensive mm -hmm. to everyone who's there. You know, well, you I, can be as welcoming as you can. Yeah. Well, and there's this always this. I, I don't know if you notice it, but there's always this kind of colonial mentality that seems to come through, and it even comes through in like the marketing. Like this is kind of an example of how it's like we've come in, we've changed it, we're making the old cool and, right. and just this idea of like it wasn't good until we discovered it, which right. I feel like turns people off. It turns people off. I, you know, as a native New Yorker, I'm constantly frustrated. I, <laughs> I live in a state of constant frustration yeah. in Brooklyn. Cause like, 
I don't want to be around people who would be turned off by the neighborhood. You yeah. know, I don't want them here. I don't right. want them building little fences around what used to be the neighborhood. Yeah. No, I think that's <laughs> that's valid. And it's and it's, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've been here for five years and I coming into something like New York City, it's like you have to adapt to it. Right. And it can. It, yes, sure. It's going to adapt to the cultures with it. But it's a respect thing for me. And you're coming into these neighborhoods that have these long histories and it's up to you to help to maintain the culture that's been there and vibrant for so long. Like neighborhoods are only as strong as the people that are a part of them. And the people that have been living in these neighborhoods for a long time deserve to be able to continue to live in their neighborhoods. Like we shouldn't be looking at newness or at, you know, people moving in as just the savior, the only right. way that you can save a place. Like we should be investing in the communities that have been mainstays in these these locations. And I feel like that's how this us versus them mentality kind of gets started because we have the developers that come in and they're only targeting a certain number or a certain type of people. And then they're moving them in. And then these business owners that are coming in that may be from this new gentry of people, they're only targeting the people that are coming in and have the same needs that they have. Right. You know, whether it's they really want this really fancy barbershop that's two doors down from a barbershop that's been there for 30 years. You know, right, right. And then, of but, course, you get into the issue of hair. Right. right and yeah. In the and that's a, yeah. and that is a thing yeah. because, you know, I when when I used to have hair, <laughs> you, you can only let certain people cut your hair. I couldn't go to any barbershop. So and then and that's a, right. and it's like you want again, you want your community to reflect you. Um, and I think it's about finding solutions that that really help everybody to feel represented right. and have their all of their voices. And, and that's like it's so impossible if people are just trying to make money. Yeah, that that's. Damn capitalism. Damn, damn <laughs> capitalism. All right, let's talk about Russia. <laughs> um, there was a bill this week passed with huge sanctions on Russia, and they include limiting the president's power to suspend or terminate those sanctions. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like a stopgap measure, it seems. Um, they can veto, or Trump has the option to veto it uh, or sign it as, as normal. And the sanctions will punish Russia for interfering in the... Oops. Click too far. The interviewing in the U.S. election and also annexing Crimea, which is that region, um, that disputed region between the Ukraine or between Ukraine and uh, Russia, and then also general human rights abuses. So, I am curious to know from your perspective, like, uh, do you think that this bill, this bill, is going to go anywhere? First of all, like, what are your thoughts on the actual bill um, and its viability? I think it's impressive that Congress managed to pass a bill. You know, it was like <laughs> unanimous or near unanimous support, uh, right? That and is, that is, yeah, that's that, a that win. Is, go Congress, you know? <laughs> Next, let's do roads and bridges. Yeah, that's, that's, um, a, that's a thing. So, I mean, it's, it's encouraging. And, you know, it's a Republican-led Congress. So those are the people who would be probably the most aligned with President Trump mm -hmm. on this. And they're going in diametric opposition to him. So even if they can't pass the bill, I think that, that that tells us what we're likely to see going forward in terms of U.S. policy with mm. Russia. Um, and, you know, I think it, it means that it, it means that we're starting to see a departure from President Trump. And it does say, I'm reading an update from the New York Times that says the White House syndicated on Sunday that President Trump would accept this legislation 
Um, so they again, the agreement says that it's going to intend to punish Russia for the interference in the, plus, the election um, and aggressions, even though, you know, it's it's inch, I wonder, you know, and putting in context that there we know now that there was a second meeting um, right. between President uh, Putin of Russia and President Trump. We don't know what exactly was discussed in that meeting. Right. Apparently, there was only a Russian official involved. Um, but it is interesting that this is coming now. And it does say something that at least people are seeing that we need to to do something. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the act of doing something, um, it does. It, it, I don't know what it indicates because I feel I don't know that this is the something that, you know, should be done. But I do feel like we do need to address these issues. We need to make a statement about these. Issues. And I guess that's that's kind of what this is. Right. Um, Another interesting thing we were talking about earlier about the ouster, the um, or the resignation of of Sean Spicer. We're going to talk about Anthony Scaramucci in a moment. Um, but one of the things that is coming up in this discussion, um, we have all of this information now that says that there was some type of inappropriate activity. I guess would be mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Um, but I don't think we are aware of what exactly that means in the context of is this going to change how we as a country share information or how we kind of protect ourselves from this happening again. I haven't heard the discussion of how do we prevent a future, you know, Russia infiltrate. Like, how do we prevent right. that? Are there... Has there is there anything that you can kind of see or you've seen that speaks to just how do we prevent this from happening in 2018 or 2020? Um, no. And and doesn't that worry like that? That worries me. Like yeah. it, it worries me because I feel like it's that's the bigger question to answer. Like right. this question of of security, cybersecurity, data security, um, and preventing further infiltration of our systems. Um, right. by outside forces. But nobody's asking that question, I feel like. Right. I, you know, I mean, there's so many things that don't add up, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I think 20, 2020 is such a big question mark, right? Like uh, the day that Trump uh, was inaugurated, he mm. immediately, you know, filed, filed for, for his yeah, next, yeah. yeah. Allowing like certain donations to go straight to his campaign Mm -hmm. right which is really unheard of totally yeah yeah (laughs) so and Uh, it it almost it speaks to you know and we don't want i don't want to get too conspiracy theorist on this show but it's it's it sends a message like it sends a message that there is a longer term strategy here that maybe some of us are not privy to um so (laughs) the healthcare bill that was to be that was not to be that is now so sad <laughs> kind of to be yes we're we're all we're upset crying. about this the last ditch efforts to create a replacement bill for the affordable care act known as obamacare have failed they um, mitch mcconnell said that they could possibly try it again later but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen should the democrats take this as a win I think, yeah, maybe a half win. A half win? <laughs> yeah. Semi win. Because, like, the question now is should they uh, 
should they repeal and replace with uh, with something new that nobody knows about or repeal without replacing? Mm-hmm. You know, some people are arguing that that'll be a great motivator to get a new bill in place if we just have just no health care <laughs> for millions of Americans. You know, <laughs> that's like sticking your hand in the fire because you're just not quite sure if it's hot. Right. Like you see it, it's burning, but you're just like, maybe, maybe this fire is not that hot. I don't understand the like push to gamble with American lives. Yeah. You know, I feel like that with healthcare, it's just one of those things that we should try to ensure. And, you know, I, I don't I, I understand the costs about it, but I really the strategy to me is to figure out how it's going well in other places and then see how we can do it here. I think the barrier, as we were talking about earlier, I think the barrier to this is purely capitalistic. Mm -hmm. It is purely big giant insurance companies wanting to preserve their profit margins, which companies are legally obligated to preserve their profit margins for their shareholders. But that means that we have to endure those burdens and those costs. Um, I don't, it's like there no, there's no good scenario except for me, except to keep what we have and then continue to explore how to amend the legislation. Right, how to make it better. Repealing it makes no sense, except if your goal is to say we undid it, mm-hmm. which it seems like that's the goal. It's not getting healthcare for everyone. It is not making our healthcare stronger. It is seemingly just a retaliatory right action um, right so like i don't know if this is a win for democrats definitely a loss for republicans yeah for everyone who's saying we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare, i think that's a loss i it, think it's time to try a new motive yeah i think it's try it, you might want to just give up on this one yeah. maybe maybe check out you know just transition to a different issue i i I, and I think, you know, to the point of that, it's it's bad for Republicans. More and more of the constituency is saying no. They're saying, OK, we we, we understand more about this and we don't want mm-hmm. a repeal. Like we want you to explore a better solution. And, you know, it's it's that, that to me that says that the direction needs to be what those people want, what the people want. If we're now getting some sort of consensus across party lines, at least in the voting population. Right. I, I think we should follow that, but are our politicians going to follow that? I, I don't know. We don't know. We, we, it remains to be seen. So we're going to take a small music break. We'll listen to cool, some cool protest songs, and we'll come right back, and we're going to talk about the ousting in the communications department. Well, I guess we can't call it an ousting, but you know, I don't know if I believe that it was a resignation, but we'll be right back here on Objections to the Rule, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Make sure to check out all the shows on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can do that by visiting us online at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're also on Tune in. We're on Audio Boom. We're on all kinds of podcast distribution services. So find us and like us and subscribe. We'll be right back. Freedom, item, meet him. Where's your freedom? This one needs a brand new weed him. Weed and the key. Weed and the key them to life. Let's beat them We them smartphones Don't beat them
me say when I'm with them We solid and we don't need to kick them This is no South East and Western Yeah, guns close doors to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say when I'm with them We solid and we don't need to kick them This is no South East and Western Put 
police and cut the hate, young nigga, and we hate them too. 38 in them shoot. How to change of the system or take him through. He ain't a killer, but he will if you make him do a homicide. He'll ride there, put him on trial. Let him have a license and then do it with a smile. And he only 19, he ain't even had a child. And the child told him, mama, he'll be gone for a while. And she cried. Still, did you put him inside? Now she all on her own cause her other son died. Listen to the politician as he lied and he lied. He a snake in a suit trying to hide in the sky. Home of the brave and free. Well, damn, officer, what I do? Free just to murder me. Now hold on, man, don't shoot, I live over there. Land of the beautiful. Hey, hey man, what you doing, man? Cursed by the hate we throw. You tripping, dog? For the stars in the stripes, prison bars in the pipe. Young nigga rolling weed in a cigar he could light. Bay red, either blue, selling hard in the white. Live by the gun, never run from a fight. Trey Bun in the hoodie, walking through a neighborhood. He didn't do shit to buddy, he didn't have to die, did he? I guess it cause his dad was a judge in the city. They didn't want him in the pen, wouldn't thug, they could get him. A jury of his peers said, all will forgive him. The tough one of mine, right or wrong, I'ma kill him. Fill him with the lid like the Prim One, Luther King head, like the Kill Mecca Met, Echo Hoover did that. You can catch me in the hood where the shooting niggas at. They don't know if neighborhood or the Hoover did that. Well, the Pyro's a VL's a GD with me, we down the up. You ain't fit to live Land of the beautiful To get something you never had You might be willing to do something you never done to objection to the rule so we've been talking a lot about sean spicer since he was the communications director slash press secretary for um, president trump he has resigned this past week um as a new communications re- director anthony scaramusa or scaramucci has come into the administration so i want to first play a couple of his greatest moments from his press conferences. This was put together by Time Magazine. It's an interesting collection of some of his best bits. So we'll play a little bit of that right here on Objections to the Rule. Photographs of the inaugural proceedings were intentionally framed in a way to minimize the enormous support that had gathered on the National Mall. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. 
Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back. I can sense the love in the room. Yes, I believe that we have to be honest with the American people. I think sometimes we can disagree with the facts. I mean, just the other day, he sat down with Martin Luther King Jr. I would call him a civil rights leader. So where his dad was the, the civil third. rights leader. Well, I, I, I think that... Yeah. I have a couple more questions. You get one more. Let's not agree. That's a ridiculous... You're basically... Okay, Kristen, we're going to end this right now. Hunter, 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 no. And then this one is the... I've got the 13 here as well, or the 2017. It is literally 100% the same. Well, first of all, it's not a travel ban. I mean, he's using the, the words that the media is using. But at the end of the day, it can't... Hold on, hold on, hold on. It can't be... It can't be... The president himself called it I understand. Is he confused or are you confused? No, I'm not confused. I think... I don't... I mean, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Okay, I'm, this is silly. Okay, next. And I, okay, you don't get to just yell out questions. We're going to raise our hand like big boys and girls. This is government. This is not. Um, and I think that part of the reason the visual is important is that when you actually look at the difference, you realize this is what big government does. I was going to say you're upside down. upside down. John Roberts always helping with the fashion tips. It's still upside down. Don't make me make the podium move. Cover the stuff. No, no, hold on. No evidence of wiretapping at Trump Tower. So now you've had the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee. No, no, actually, here's his quote, Jonathan. No, here's the direct quote. I think it's very possible, end quote. When we talked about wiretapping, he meant surveillance. Well, so you're coming to some serious conclusions for a guy that has zero intelligence uh, class. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to answer the question, I can Did call on somebody call else. On New York yeah. Times, Thank you. John, does the president still have complete confidence in FBI Director Comey? Uh, there's no reason to believe he doesn't at this time. And But even General Flynn was, was a volunteer of the campaign. Um, and then obviously there's been this discussion of, of Paul Manafort, who played a very limited role. Is aware of any contacts between Paul Manafort and Russian operatives or suspected Russian operatives? No. Join in more. Well, first, I think your headlines are bad. Uh, I'm glad to rewrite. Oh, I, I, I'd be glad to if you like. If you guys are looking for some help, uh, I, I'm, I'm for a job. Does the president stand by his statement that President Obama is a bad or sick guy? I, I think the president's tweets stand for themselves. I think there's there's a huge appetite for tax return, tax reform. No, we don't have that. You 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 you've got Russia. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. I'm sorry that that disgusts you. You're shaking your head. I appreciate it, but but I'm trying to okay. But understand this: that at some point, the facts are what they are, and every single person who has been briefed on the situation, with respect to the the situation with Russia, Republican, Democrat, Obama appointee, career, have all come to the same conclusion. At some point, April, you're gonna have to take no for an answer with respect to whether or not there was collusion. April. Thank you, Sean. How are you today? I'm fine, and how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> the answer is is that if you gas a baby, if you put a barrel bomb in to innocent people, I think you can enact, you will you will see a response from this president. That is unacceptable. You know, someone as despicable as Hitler, who didn't even sink to the to the to using chemical weapons. There's an opportunity. That. Can I just? Uh, <laughs> I think I got this, but thank you. Uh, maybe. All right, thanks, man. I'll see you in a minute. Uh, hold on. All right, so that was just a compilation of some of the more interesting moments of the Sean Spicer press conferences over the past six months of the um, Trump presidency. So, first of all, it's been six months. 
So that's an interesting thing in and of itself. Um, It's also interesting that we have had such transitions in this administration from the attorney general to the press communications team. Um, So many different big level administrative administration appointees have cycled out. So it, it talks to kind of the tumultuous nature of this administration. What, you know, do you, I, I feel like there's something more and we can't really necessarily speculate other than what has been, what is known is that he did resign. The resignation came after um, uh, Trump appointed another person into the role of communications director. Um, one of his former allies um, who is a Wall Street investor um, it's, and, and he went out, if you've watched the Sunday morning shows, he went out and very much started defending the president very early right. and talking about, um, the messaging. And it was a really interesting way that, um, the new communications director, um, Anthony Car- Scarmucci kind of re- deflected mm-hmm. the questions that were being asked, um, and so it's, you know, I don't do, I don't think we're going to get any more transparency into yeah. the administration. Um, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was the assistant press secretary is now, or the deputy press secretary is now going to be um, the official press secretary. And we've seen her in action. Um, so we know kind of what we're going to expect. What are your thoughts on what this transition is going to mean Um, for not only how the administration engages with the press, but also the messaging that goes out from the administration? Uh, You know, it's just, it's more of this, like, unpredictability of Mm -hmm. Trump's presidency. It's like, what are these new people going to do that the old people didn't do? How Mm -hmm. long is their tenure going to be? You know, what's going to be too much for them? I mean, is it going, are they going to make a Rusev and get mad and Trump's going to be mad and, and then they're going to be out again? Right. Um, and I think that there is, you know, there there was a controversy about um, Scaramucci deleting some previous tweets where he was um, in that were some of which were kind of contradictory to what we know as Trump policies or what we, you know, have been reported as Trump policies. And it's another connection that we actually just discovered on the break, which was interesting, um, that uh, the new communications manager was the one of the people that was in the story that CNN had to retract, um, basically saying that he had some connections to uh, this whole Russia scandal. And the, the story was retracted by CNN. But it's interesting that he was the person that was involved in that. And now he is the communications director. Um, I don't know what that says. Um, But I do wonder, you know, looking at this story now and looking at um, the new people that are kind of ahead are going to be in charge of this messaging. um, And then looking back at, at Sean Spicer trying to navigate all of this, you know, I don't think it's, it's not an easy job. to kind of be the mouthpiece for this administration. As you said, it's very unpredictable. And it's not following normal precedents of, you know, decorum for the office of the presidency. So it's really hard to say if there's going to be any change or if, you know, the change will be positive or negative. Right. 
I mean, the most interesting thing to me about this is uh, it that it was apparently too much for Sean Spicer. Mm. He, he couldn't stand to work with someone who was unqualified for the position mm-hmm. who he felt was unqualified. Like, <laughs> but I feel like he's had, <laughs> he's had that problem already for right. a while, right? So, yeah. So what 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 was the real issue here? Did he have a personal problem with Scaramucci? Was this just sort of a cover up for a different, larger problem he had? Uh, it seems you know, and I you know, reading this quote that in the Times it said Spicer very much disagreed with that disappoint or with that or that appointment. Right. So I don't know if it was like a personal thing or if there was an issue or if there's just a conflict of you know character it seems very interesting um that you know but again this guy was to be his boss so there had to be some type of conflict there and you know to be quite honest like we said the writing has been on the wall um that there was going to be some sort of shake-up um because the reports were that trump was becoming increasingly you know upset with the way that he was being portrayed in the media and he blamed Spicer for a lot of that. Right. And Spicer did bring a certain, you know, brashness to the job that was noticeable. You don't want your press secretaries to be the news. Right. And he made himself the news multiple times. Right. So, you know, I, from an administrative decision, it completely makes sense. I don't know what it means for America. And I don't believe that, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, and and she's just as good at deflecting and re, you know, channeling and, you know, putting out these alternative facts um, that have been so common in this administration. Yeah, maybe the the only good thing about her for them is that she's less hilarious. She is. Yeah, she is less hilarious. Everybody, I think more people have mourned the fact that that now Saturday Night Live won't have the awesome spicy clips with Melissa McCarthy. I have to find her we'll something else it. to do. But she plays the, she plays a great Trump. We can, we can, we can find her work. She, she will not go without work for sure. Um, what do you, I'm kind of thinking like forward, where would you, where would you like to see, I, I feel like we haven't, we might have an opportunity to at least try to shift the relationship between the press and the and the office of the white. Are there any ways that you could see that we can start to, if, if the administration is not going to, you know, be more transparent, what do we as reporters, as journalists, as people watching, what should we do to kind of get more into what's happening? It's deep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I guess, you know, keep the way that reporters have always uh, gotten into the administration, which is, you know, Keep your contacts. Hammering out. Keep your contacts. Yeah. I think that's, you know, and, and that's one of those things that as things keep on shifting and keep right. on changing, you know, making sure that we have people that are kind of the eyes and ears in these right. locations um, that are able to get involved and get us the news. Yeah. And I think there are always people in the room who you don't see. You mm-hmm. know, there are people who are not officially there, but are definitely there. Mm hmm. The uh, the people on Wall Street, it, that's their job to find those people and to build those relationships. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. What do you think Spicer is going to do now that he is not communications director? Oh man, I don't press know. Press secretary. He should go on tour. Yeah. Would you go? Would you go? Would you read his book? He might have a he might have a nice book to read yeah, to write. That's true. That that could be interesting. 
Depends how many leaks there are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that, I would, I would read that. I would, I would actually read that. Because that would, that would be pretty cool. So we are going to play a short break, play some music. We have a great new band that I want to introduce you to because they're going to be making our theme song for Objection to the Rule. We're really excited about this partnership with Dietra. And they have a concert tonight. So we wanted to give them a shout out. And we wanted you to listen to some of their music because they're a hometown group and we love them. And they're going to be coming up with an awesome theme for Objection to the Rule that we'll be debuting later this year. So here is some music from Dietra off of their new album, also titled Dietra, which is coming out now. And you're listening to Objection to the Rule right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Maybe.
to Objection to the Rule. You just heard brand new music from Deatra, Hello, Losing Control, Possibilities, all from their new album. And they have a debut performance of this new album coming tonight at 6.30 at the Mercury Lounge, 217 East Houston Street. You can still get tickets. You can visit their Facebook page. Just type in Deatra. I'm sure it'll be a great show because their music is awesome. And we can't wait to debut for you uh, the track we've been working on as our theme. So that'll be coming here soon on Objection to the Rule. We are super excited for that. So we're going to spend the last few minutes talking about a case that's not really local, but it has local implications um, in our general discussion about the relationship between police and the people that they are sworn to serve and protect. But oftentimes, well, I won't say oftentimes, but more often than we would like, those altercations end up in death. And the most recent case is the case of Justine DeMond, a Australian woman who was killed by an officer in Minneapolis. The officer, Mohammed Noor, uh, was one of a handful of Somali officers on the force. Um, and in that community, there is a high population of Somali immigrants, Somali refugees that have been placed there. Um, in fact, the highest population in the country. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics to this case. It's not just the normal case that gets talked about with regard to um, police brutality or police shootings of individuals who have called for their assistance. Um, you know, this is this is not the first a white person killed at the hand of the police. Um, I don't even know that it's the first or only white woman. Um, but because it was a white woman and because the officer um, was a black person or a person of Somali origin, um, 
the dynamics are just different. And you see it in the way that it's reported. You see it in how people are talking about the officer versus the person, um, Damon, who was killed. Um, and you see it in kind of the language that's used. So, you know, first, I think it's it, it still speaks to this fact that we need to evaluate how our police respond to 911 calls. This started because Damon called 911 um, requesting assistance and she ended up losing her life. I'm curious, what do you think about the racial dynamic? One of the stories that came out was um, the mother of Philando Castillo came and comforted um, the fiance of Demond, who has kind of been the visible um, person, the visible, you know, kind of person of connected to um, the, the victim of this shooting. Did you notice anything odd about the coverage? What were your kind of reactions to this coverage in comparison to the way right. other stories like this were covered? Right. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's disappointing. It's, uh, y you've said to me, um, it, both in the show and out, uh, that um, when, uh, when a black person, especially a black man, shoots a white civilian, we have... Uh, or sorry, when the roles are reversed, mm. uh, we have a wait and see kind of thing. We have uh, a, a character assassination in the media. You know, we have uh, photos released of them um, in poor lighting. You mm. know, in uh, a baggy clothes that uh, in anything that can be construed as uh, thuggish or criminal. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we've got beautiful you know uh sunny pictures of the victim now um and we have a lot of the media scratching their heads yeah uh you know um there's daily mail article you know british uh publication uh saying the guy was sort of fast-tracked through his training and maybe that's what it is mm -hmm. but it just and it sounds like it sounds like he was a promising young person, you mm -hmm. know, in the academy, and they uh, they wanted to promote him. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not clear what happened, but it's clear that uh, people sort of want to assume what happened and move on. And it's you know one of the things that was most shocking is that the police chief, uh, the Minneapolis police chief, resigned. Um, shortly after this incident and there have been protests calling for the mayor to resign as well right. um, but it's so interesting that you know taking into account that there was a very high profile killing um, by another police officer last year that now is the time that she takes to resign right and you know it's kind of like why did that happen why you know why would it happen so quickly um, and, and what does that mean? You know, does it indicate that they feel that this life was more important? You know, it, it always, the kind of belief that, you know, the victimization of white women always gets more visibility. And is that what's happening? Or is it just, are we putting more on it than actually is because these kind of racial tropes have been flipped? Yeah. 
it's hard to say. Like, I think it's really... It, it is hard to say. It's a, it's a sort of confusing case. We don't really know. I, I mean, they, I guess things will continue to emerge, but it, it doesn't make sense on face, on its face. Like, mm-hmm. why would you demand a resignation based on a based on this particular wrongful killing. Exactly. Right? This one. What was what was this one? Why was this one so um right. And like with uh you know police shooting of um unarmed black men it it's we've got each side can sort of really quickly think of why it happened, you know. Mm-hmm. On the right we've got like oh, you know, the person was up to no good. They were they were yeah, any any number right? of reasons from walking down the street. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then and on the left, you know, the the officer felt threatened by you know the person's blackness, mm-hmm. and they shot. And but in this case, we, we don't. It's not. There's nothing about the case that we would understand. Right. When it's you know even that perception is kind of odd that like the black body is automatically threatening, right. and the white body is innocent you know there's always you know there's all these tropes she didn't have to die you know this is the most innocent victim according to the lawyer and kind of looking at it like oh no well this definitely shouldn't have happened and and people are saying that because she's white so we're going to explore this case more we'll dig into it as well as all of the changes in our administration that keep happening every week so we thank you so much for listening to object to the rule and we will be back again next week live on radio free brooklyn bye everyone